Welcome to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast. Hyphenation. I'm your dashing, daring, and debonair host, Kellen Conley. Now, before we get into things, Hyphenation is always brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group, a Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com, and then also by Mark Robb, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. Uh, in addition to this website where he writes prolific paragraphs about all kinds of pop culture, politics, uh, race relations, all that stuff. Um, he's also on the latest episode of It's Like a Podcast or whatever. And, hmm, did I post Alapal? I don't, oh no. I haven't posted Alapal. I don't think I have. Oh no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold the phone. Did I post it? Tell me I posted it. Yeah, I posted it. My bad. He's on the latest episode of It's Like a Podcast or whatever, also a hyphen podcast group show, um, where he's on with Handsome Bane, Everyday Rogue, Melisette, to talk about the HBO show Watchmen, among other things. But uh, you can check out all of Marcus's writing at markrob.wordpress.com. Sorry, that's themarkrob.wordpress.com. Again, the M-A-R-C-R-O-B.wordpress.com. And I th- I think if you go to madlov.tumblr.com, you can read some of his earlier writing too. Yeah, I think he's just mad love on there. So Morgantown weather report is 35 degrees. It's cold as you know what outside. Lots of wind, had a little snow yesterday. No accumulation for real. Dad got five inches in Hampshire County. Mineral County, where Angel's from, she, um, her mom got about four, so we got lucky. But as I said before, winter arrives in January around these parts. This episode is brought to you by a chocolate cherry uh, coffee from Get Go. Shout out to it, and um. We're going to do something a little different here. So, as you may know, I fancy myself a writer. And as said writer, I I started writing way, way, way back in 2000, 20 years ago, um, when I decided I wanted to try my hand at fan fiction. Marvel fan fiction, which then became DC fan fiction. Wrote a Spider-Man series, wrote a Robin series, starring Tim Drake, the best Robin. And uh, did that for a couple years. Fell off, got heavy into the music, and really never came back. Had a couple ideas. And then, I, I don't know, probably about eight years ago, seven years ago, something like that, I decided I was going to start writing for my own website, which is behyphen.com then, which is now captured by one, uh, whoever GoDaddy sold it to. And they want like $2,600 for my domain name back. So started writing for on the site and then continued on for a few years. Went through a, a domain name change. Now it's hyphenuniverse.com. For now, that's where everything's located. And then uh, and all my writing's been on there. So fancying myself a writer, there's a few times that I thought 
to myself, oh, I have some ideas for stories and everything like that. And one story I, I have in my head was uh, Percival Constantine, who actually is a writer and has several books published and actually does a podcast with um, former guest, uh, uh, not former guest, so I guess he is a former guest, uh, someone who's been a guest on the show, Derek Ferguson. Uh, they actually have a podcast together called Superhero Cinephiles, where they talk about superhero films and things of that nature. So you can go check that out. Um, Percival was living over in Japan, has been for years. Perry. Um, Derek, of course, is from Brooklyn and is a writer in his own right, writing the Dylan series. You can check that out. I think he's episode 80. He's either episode 90 or 89. I want to say he's 90, maybe. Um, you can hear my interview with Derek, and hopefully Derek will come back on this year. And Perry, I promised a long time ago that he could be on the podcast when it was called Two Web Shooters and a Microphone. That was my first foray into solo podcasting. Only lasted two episodes. Uh, but I promised Perry he could come on. And it's been a long ass time and I still haven't done it. So he's going to be on the guest list that I announced. Uh, the hopeful guest that I get for uh, 2020 when I do the State of the Podcast address here in the next few weeks. Where a lot of things will be announced. Uh, but yeah, he, he was doing this, uh, uh, he had this idea to do this site that was going to be based on, uh, former, um, pulp characters that came into the public domain so that we could kind of have free reign since no one owns said characters. And one of the titles was called Alias the Spider. Now, without looking, I believe Alias the Spider, the original, um, the original pulp character, was essentially he was a detective kind of thing and he had many adventures and things like that well i reimagined the whole thing so my idea in a nutshell without reading my description that i wrote many years ago that is scanned somewhere in my um on the internet now where i can access it my idea was to essentially spiders were part of an integral part of life okay so excuse me, <laughs> an, an integral part of life. So with that said, all the spiders were in charge of the, of the web of fate, which ultimately decided what happened in everyone's lives. And the job of all the spiders was to kind of make sure things went straight and was, was fine, you know, that nothing got too crazy, you know. Um, there's still free will and things like that. The main job of the spiders is to not intervene kind of just let things happen and that that's their main purpose now years and years ago there was a, a former spider who essentially went rogue and when a, a spider goes rogue uh they essentially become one of the most powerful beings in existence and after much damage was done by this woman and all spiders are women by the way uh, much damage was done by, by these women then by this woman she was ultimately stopped and things went order was restored so my story comes in and we meet a new a young girl and spiders are chosen which means that they're not they're not born a spider essentially the web of fate tells the other spiders and i don't know how many spiders there was i never figured that out because i never wrote anything about it other than this one uh this one idea on this piece of paper that I scanned. And I'm not looking at it, by the way. The idea is that uh, 
essentially um, a, a human is chosen to, a human woman is chosen to become a spider and when that happens of course they go through their training and everything and uh, then they become a spider and and then, and then they're, they're given assignments and her assignment was to go watch over this uh, married couple um, who was having a baby and essentially it was going to be it was one of those things my idea was the wife was pregnant it was going to be a rough pregnancy and I want to say her name was Anna so I'm just going to call her Anna from here on out but that, that might be wrong um, Anna's job was to watch over all of the watch over the family make sure that the wife lives and the baby lives that's all she had to do not and to not intervene so when not intervening means like essentially like don't let them know hey i'm here like they're, they're not religious based like i'm not here like i'm here to make sure everything's okay no no it's supposed to be you kind of watch them from afar so essentially you're you're it's they're spying on whoever their um targets are and making sure whatever the web of fate says happens well anna interacts with the guy which is fine interactions are fine but anna being human of course you have human uh human uh uh fallacies come into play so anna finds herself attracted to this guy and the wife's in the hospital getting ready to deliver uh she's rough like she's on bed rest so there's a lot of time where the wife will just be knocked out until because they're, they're not ready the baby's not here yet so Anna and this guy get closer over the course of a few days and they they end up hooking up you see it out of the corner of your eye at the end of an alleyway that didn't exist before the light seems to flicker and threatens to sputter out it's a theater one film playing. You don't recognize the title, although it stirs something in your mind. Welcome to the Mirage, the theater of movies that do not exist. Cinematic Mirage is a podcast exclusive to the Domicile of Dread Patreon about films that were greenlit that never made it to the silver screen. Join Thomas DJ as he explores how the projects came together, why they stopped production, and what they may have been about. It's free to all Patreons at the $5 a month level or more. To learn more and to sign up, go to patreon.com slash DJ's Domicile of Dread. Cinematic Mirage. A seat's waiting for you. And so, because of that... Uh, of course, the man feels extreme guilt. He cheated on his wife with his girl. Um, so being a good man who already fucked up, he decides he's going to tell his wife what happens. <sighs> so he tells his wife. His wife is extremely upset. It triggers labor. And so because of the wife's anger towards him, uh, she essentially, I mean... <sighs> The idea is that Anna can't properly do her job because the spiders can intervene and kind of guide things, but they can't control things. So with the wife's rage aimed at her, 
as the even though I don't I don't even know if I'm going to introduce the wife and the girl, um, wife and Anna, but essentially with the wife's rage aimed at her, Anna is unable to save the baby or the wife, so they both die. The man is devastated, and he goes and kills himself. So Anna fails her mission, loses this guy that she grown close to, and it just devastates her. And of course, um, there, there's disciplinary action that's going to be coming from the spiders and things like that. Well, Anna decides instead of it being just like, oh, whatever, da 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 da, da which I, I have, I'm saying da 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 because there's no real backstory drawn out for that. But essentially, Anna loses it. And when she does, she becomes the second rogue spider in history. And so my story is going to follow her from her arc from trying to become a spider, failing, and then ultimately becoming a rogue spider where she is this devastating force of essentially evil and anger and hate and how she's essentially the bad guy trying to destroy I don't even know what she's trying to destroy. I guess ultimately it would be like to get rid of the web of fate, take over the web of fate, da-da-da-da-da. So that was my original idea that I had. And I, I still really like that idea. I may flesh it out. But one thing I've always wanted to do on the podcast is, and I've done it a little bit with that Deadpool Jessica Jones story that I pop up and tell a little bit. I think last time they were trying to murder a Canadian, or Deadpool had assignment to kill a Canadian rapper. Jessica went to stop him. And so when our story ended, they were both in the studio with said rapper, Jessica as the big fan, Deadpool with the image inducer, um, trying to be uh, uh, be someone who's working with him, with the rapper, but ultimately there to kill him. So Jessica's trying to stop him, Deadpool's trying to complete his assignment. That's where we left it. And... I've always been a fan of the idea of the audio drama or really done, well done audiobooks when there's multiple characters playing, people playing different characters in the book and it's like you're listening to the action unfold. So some always, I've always wanted to try on here. So going back a few years ago, I had this idea for a buddy cop story and it was going to be about two female uh, cops and these cops... Um, were their partners and essentially I was I was going to just tell you straight up murder mystery and then somehow I was thinking I was going to fold their story into the web of fate story idea that I had but it was a uh, national novel writing month or NaNoWriMo I believe is how you say it and every November there's a website NaNoWriMo.com.org where all these people from around the world will come together to write um, I think it's a uh, 100,000 words, 200,000 words, I don't even know. The idea is to write, in the 30 days of November, is to write your book, no matter what it is. And there's been a few times I've started, and this time I actually started and wrote a whole, I'd say it's a chapter. I, I don't know how many words it is exactly, but I'd like to share it with you guys today. So it's called The Long Way Down, and it's about these two cops, you get introduced to them, and I, I'm just going to read it to you. And just just see where it goes because I, I this is another story that I'd like to do. I want to I want to tell a story about these two cops, and then I also want to eventually write something about um, about the web of fate. So I, I don't know. Like I don't 
I don't know if there's an audience for constant stories about these two, especially if I'm just sitting here trying to think of it off my brain. Because the Deadpool Jessica Jones stories are fun, but at the same time, I'm I'm winging it off of a old outline for like 12 issues that I had from years ago. So it'd be the same thing, but I don't know. I just want to try it and read it and see and see what you guys think. If you hate it, you hate it. If you if you love it, you love it. Just let me know. I appreciate it. So let me get my let me clear my throat. <coughs> me, 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 me. Mommy made me match my M&M's. My, my. Okay. Now I'm just going to read it straight how I wrote it. So here we go. I don't know why you need all that crap in your coffee. Abigail smirked as she pushed down the lid on the honey. She expertly swirled a straw through the hot liquid, watching the combination of cinnamon sugar, creamer, and honey turn the coffee from its original brown to a caramel hue. I like my coffee as sweet as I am, she deadpanned. She secured the lid as she turned for the counter. Her partner, Gwendolyn, was right in step with her, and I think I named her Gwen- Gwendolyn because of Gwen Stacy. And I've always just been a fan of name Gwen. Besides... Cap's not going to be happy when we stop for coffee before hitting that crime scene anyway. She produced two $1 bills from her right jacket pocket and handed them to the cashier. I might as well get something I want before I have to go look at a dead body. So, she's already putting stuff in her coffee, but she didn't pay for it. Anyway, <laughs> I might as well get something I want. I might as well get something I want before I have to go look at a dead body. And I guess you're getting footnotes, so that's cool. All that sugar is horrible for you, Gwen replied as she dug into her purse. Her wallet was on the counter, and her wallet was on the counter, and she reached as if she was locating a secret compartment. As Gwen, Gwen replied as she dug into her purse, her wallet was on the counter, and she reached as if she was locating a secret compartment. Okay, all right, so I'm saying, okay. Her wallet was on the counter, and she reached into her purse as if she was locating a secret compartment. Got it, she muttered as her debit card came back with her hand. 847, the cashier repeated, as if Gwen had forgotten her total in the 30 seconds it took her to find her card. Yeah, and that pack of cigarettes is doing you a world of good, Abby mocked as she held the convenience store door open. Gwen picked up her black coffee, tucked the pack in her inside jacket pocket, and exited the store. You know I only smoke at a crime scene, she retorted as she pulled the passenger side door open. And again, I don't know why you wouldn't let me drive when I was already in my car when we got the call. She was answered by a slamming car door as Abby dropped into the driver's seat. For starters, you drive like my great-grandmother, Abby huffed as she pulled from the store parking lot back into traffic. I despise that stupid pickup truck of yours. It smells like cigarettes. You know, the ones you only smoke at scenes? Gwen scoffed and took a long sip of coffee. Oh, and may I add, she smiled as she caught a traffic light perfectly so that she could make a left turn. We just look better in my car. Well, your car window won't roll down, Gwen remarked as a cigarette dangled between her lips. So you don't look that great. (laughs) I'm funny. She raised the lighter but found her cigarette flying towards the closed window as Abby... She raised the lighter, but found her cigarette flying towards the closed windows, Abby, Abby, as Abby deftly flicked it away. I swear to goodness, if you don't leave my cigarettes alone, they spotted some police cruisers with their lights on up ahead. Abby slowed to a stop and parked next to the lawn of a modest townhouse located in Greenville Estates. 
Gwen scrambled out of her car and lit her cigarette as soon as the sedan was in park. What happened to that nicotine gum I got you for Christmas? Abby asked. Gwen shot her a look over, to, over top her sunglasses, over the top of her sunglasses, but decided to ignore her. The two detectives quickly crossed from the car to the front door of the address they had been given, 619 Wilson Avenue. A uniformed officer, Frank Wilson, moved the caution tape aside. About time you showed. Uh, about time you two showed up. He griped as the women entered a sparsely decorated living room. Cap said he called you two 45 minutes ago. Officer Wilson frowned when he saw coffee in each of their hands. Did you really stop for coffee? Look, Wilson. Gwen's words spilled out around her cigarette. Where's the body? And who are you to be getting my business early in the? F Abby wrapped her arm around Gwen's shoulders and led her to the stairs. I hear footsteps and voices up here, honey. She chided. Let's put our skills to use in a more productive manner, shall we? Gwen shot her another look over her sunglasses at a, as they reached the second floor of the townhome. And take those stupid things off. It's morning. You're not hungover. Gwen yanked away from her grasp and headed towards the master bedroom. As she stopped on the white carpet, her jaw dropped. What are you doing? She yelled. Officer George Sanchez looked like a deer in headlights. You're not supposed to touch the crime scene, idiot. She stomped towards him and jerked a shiny object out of his hand. Abby leaned against the door frame and took another sip of her coffee. Really, George? Did you learn nothing from being suspended last month? Officer Sanchez's head dropped in shame. It was one of those fancy watch phones, he mumbled. Hold on. It was one of those one it was one of those fancy watch phones, he mumbled. I didn't think it was part of the crime scene. Go inside and tossed the watch on the nearby dresser. She pointed two fingers at her eyes, then turned them to Sanchez and then back to her eyes. She then continued stomping to the master bad bathroom that was behind George. Abby giggled and followed her. Isn't she lovely in the morning? Yeah, George grunted. She's an absolute peach. The master bathroom was a mess. The mirror over the sink was shattered with shards of glass lining the counter. The floor was covered in water as a bath mat had been shoved into the toilet to clog it and water was still escaping from the bowl. Just beyond that, there was the true, just beyond that was a true crime scene. There's not much I can do until we get him out of the water, said Robert Garrison, the department's lead crime scene supervisor. He was cautiously perched on the side of the bathtub, one gloved hand on the wall, the other darting a flashlight back and forth. Captain Shane Meadows nodded grimly. We've been standing in this bloody water for 30 minutes too long then. He sh his eyes shifted. His eyes shifted to Gwen and Abby. Morning, Richards. Where in the John Blame have you been? And I said John Blame because my dad used to probably still says John Blame instead of cussing sometimes. Like, John Blame it. Blame it. John Blame it. Like, it, it, it's a whole thing. I got to get him to say it on the podcast, I guess. Abby finished her coffee in response. <laughs> Abby finished her coffee in response. Cap rolled his eyes as he stepped between them. I swear you two are trying to send me to an early grave. All due respect, Cap, you have two teenagers left at home and you hate your wife. No one is pinning that murder on me, Gwen sneered as she looked over Robert's shoulder. But do we have any idea what happened here? No forced entry, so it was someone the victim trusted. Robert, that's not how people talk. No forced entry, so it was someone the victim trusted. Robert answered as he stepped off the tub. No missing items, we just have a body that the housekeeper found and a bunch of water everywhere. The victim was submerged in the tub and the victim was submerged in the tub, and despite the deep red color the water now had, it was still easy to see how the body had been sliced open from the neck down to the navel. Gwen leaned over the tub and took a long drag off her cigarette. You can tell that wasn't what you can tell that wasn't a one slice job, 
She nodded at the wound. Someone spent a long, someone spent a lot of time making sure this guy was split open. Someone spent a lot of time making sure this guy was split completely open, almost like a dissection. Robert pulled out his phone. I'm going to get this ball rolling so I can get this back. I'm going to get this ball rolling so I can get him back to the lab. He massaged his forehead as he spoke. I wish you would have called me since you had plenty of time to stop for refreshments on your way here. Gwen shrugged as she finished her coffee. Well, we did have a deadline to meet there, Bob, so you're lucky that Abby and I made it here at all. She jumped as she heard a booming voice re-enter the bathroom. You know, I really take a lot of ridiculous stuff from you two, but today is really not the day. Cap stopped a few inches away from his detectives. I was supposed to be on a flight this morning in Jamaica. You remember how everyone told me, go ahead, Cap, go on vacation. We can handle it. I'm up at 5 a.m., about to get in an Uber with my wife for the airport, and this happens. He gestured with both hands towards the tub. My poor, poor wife of 20 years is at home trying to get us new flights so that we don't lose our, so we don't lose out on our very expensive rooms that have been booked for three months. He pointed a finger directly at Gwen. If I have to stay here and listen to you two crack wise again, heads will roll. This, this, this dialogue. The bathroom was silent. After a few seconds, Robert quietly slipped out and Cap followed him. Gwen and Abby looked at each other. Gwen and Abby looked at each. Gwen and Abby looked at each other and then started re-examining the scene. Gwen stubbed her cigarette on her shoe and began to laugh. Do I even want to know? Abby asked as she looked at her shattered reflection in the little bit of mirror that remained on the wall. Gwen sat on the tub and pulled on a pair of rubber gloves. Cap said heads were roll and it looks like this guy already got the party started. It was the first time either of them acknowledged that their victim was Sand's head as it had been severed off the body. It was found nowhere, as it had been severed off the body, and was nowhere to be found. You're sick, Gwen, Abby frowned. You should be euthanized. And that's it. That's what I wrote for my story, The Long Way Down. Obviously, it's not perfect. I, I, I thought I proofread it and proofread it and proofread it, and I still found a couple missing words and grammatical errors and things like that. And, um, it's, it's not perfect. I mean, it's a decent introduction. I mean, obviously the, the Abby and, and Gwen stopped for coffee, uh, on their way to the crime scene. Abby is a, Gwen is a smoker. Uh, so I don't know where, where that's going to go. I don't, why would she, so she just walks in someone else's house and smokes so that's a whole thing and then stubs the cigarette on her shoe and I thought the dialogue was really good but those last couple paragraphs it got real sketchy I'm gonna get the ball rolling <laughs> and and the jokes are there so I, don't, I, don't, I mean I, I laughed earlier but they, they kind of fell flat for me towards the end but essentially we have a murder mystery on our hands. There is a man who was split open from the neck down to the navel, like as a dissection, kind of, really grisly. Body was left in a bathtub full of water. The water was coming, was the water coming from the toilet or did the water come from, see that's what I'm not sure of. Was the water coming from the toilet or was the water Let's see. So she yells at Sanchez. 
Master bathroom was a mess. The mirror over the sink was shattered, recharged a glass lining the counter. The floor was covered in water as a bath mat had been shoved into the toilet to clog it and water was still escaping from the bowl. Why would the bowl be overflowing? Just beyond that was the true... Oh, no, from the bowl. That makes sense. Okay. But why would it keep flushing? Just beyond that... So, there's a little water, okay. It was a true crime scene. The victim was submerged in the tub, and despite the deep red color the water now had, it was still easy to see how the body had been sliced open. So, the tub was full. The body was left in there. They shoved a bath mat into the toilet and let the toilet overflow <laughs> to cover the floor in water. Why wouldn't they just leave the tub running? And are these people rich? They have a housekeeper? <laughs> so there's a whole lot going on that I'm not sure about. So not a very good piece of writing. I thought it was decent, but I mean, honestly, that's probably about C average writing right there. But you get the idea of the story. Um, so Gwen and Abby essentially are going to be put on the case of finding out who beheaded this man and split him open weirdly. Why the water was necessary for everything that was going on. And then also try to figure out who killed the guy. And I had to murder so grisly because I was going to tie it back to the spider from the other story, the story idea I had. But then I, I had been thinking over about it for years at this point. And I was like, well, maybe I'll tell, I'll just do a straight up murder mystery with these two and then not have the spider be connected to it. Because it's like, then if I tell that story all in the same book, then you have this idea of this, these uh, mystical things going on with these two reality-based cops. Where does the climax of that book go? Do you have these two regular-ass humans facing down against this spider? Like, it, it doesn't all mesh. So I was thinking it was going to be a detective story with these two characters and then still do the spider story at some point. But the spider story is like, where, where does the spider story go from here? Because the, the idea of probably like the idea of how the spider goes rogue I'd say that's like the quarter of one book you know and then it's kind of like all the bad things that happen from there and then having a spider involved like why would she kill this random dude and why would she do it like that and if her powers are so great because she goes rogue why would she do it so brutally so there's there's a lot of different things that I'm not quite sure on but that is the first thing I've written for the long way down hopefully you enjoyed that even though I was there's a couple of places I had to reread and with my footnotes and stuff and if you're interested may, maybe I can uh, do more because I, I like to tell stories in case you haven't noticed and if I could uh sometimes just sit down and do the pod and be like all right well let's get back into this long way down story or let's get into the spider story i may try it out so just something i'm throwing around there and yeah i'm low on topics <laughs> i can't talk about star wars yet 
me and Marcus are going to do that soon. And I'm going to do a, a, a podcast called Fresh Episode with Maps, where I interview him about Star Wars and the Rise of Skywalker. So I can't talk about Star Wars yet. And I haven't decided who my wrestler of the year is yet from 2019. So this is what you get. guys next topic something else i've been wanting to do on the pod for a while since it's january and i feel like i'm lacking in wrestling content and y'all know i love professional wrestling with all capital letters i figured i don't want to do a preview of the royal rumble i don't want to talk about the current product I want to take a step back in the time. A step nine years ago almost in time. I am watching the 2011 Royal Rumble. The 2011 Royal Rumble. This Rumble is infamous because it is the biggest Royal Rumble ever. And no, I'm not counting the greatest Royal Rumble ever. I had 50 people, but that shit was trash. So I'm not watching it. I haven't watched this match since the night it aired and if I recall correctly me, Anthony, and Thomas all went over to our friend Moose's house and if you recall those four people that I just named including myself that made up the the quartet who made the journey to Miami for Wrestlemania 28 went over to Moose's house and we watched it with his then girlfriend and we had a great time so I'm going to revisit this rumble and I'm literally going to watch it and kind of talk about it as it happens. <coughs> so the first match on the card, and I'm only going to talk about the Royal Rumble match, but I want to kind of go through what's happening on the card too. So the first match is Edge versus Dolph Ziggler. Him and Vicky were in a uh, were in that weird Vicky Guerrero were in that weird era where they were they were engaged, be married, and Edge pretended he loved her just to to keep the belt and everything. Now Vicky is in Dolph Ziggler's corner, and she Vicky Guerrero just came out and has banned the spear from this match between Dolph and. Uh, Edge. Funny thing, this is like Edge's third to, well not third to last match, I think he wrestled some TV, but he didn't know he was two months away from having his final WWE match. And it's been said recently that he may come out of retirement or something like that to wrestle again because he speared somebody a few weeks ago and he's apparently in great shape. Um, I, as much as, he, he, hell, we might get him in the Royal Rumble this year. I mean, I heard Paige might be in the Royal Rumble this year, and she's not supposed to be wrestling anymore. But as we all know, the Rumble is kind of, anybody can be in the Royal Rumble. All you got to do is come in, get your pop. If you're supposed to hit some moves, you hit some moves, and then you get dumped out. 
And you can do that pretty safely without having to come back. So look at Dolph with the bleach blonde hair, the slick back look. Of course, I didn't start really liking Dolph until later in 2011 and early 2012, <clears throat> especially once he got paired with AJ and Big E, which I don't even think happened until 2013, honestly. So I wasn't a Dolph fan. I was an Edge fan, so I didn't think too much of this match. Also on the card, The Miz talks about his championship reign because The Miz is your reigning, defending, undisputed WWE Championship at this point. His only run with the WWE Championship. I feel like that's tragic. I feel like he was good as a champion in 2011. I feel like he should have had an opportunity to win it again and run with it. He's especially gotten a lot of, won over a lot of fans. He's gotten over in recent years. And make sure I'm recording. Yeah. He's gotten over in recent years. And uh, people love heel Miz. People love face Miz. Miz is one of the bigger stars in WWE right now. But he's forever been a Meg Carter since his run. So he's cutting a backstage promo. And Alex Riley is with him. And they're saying this, that, and the third. It's not important. Because that's not what we're here for. Next, we have The Miz versus Randy Orton in a WWE Championship match. Actually, before we do that, let me bounce back because I just want to see how Dolphin Edge ended here because I don't remember. Awesome Miz. Okay, that's the replay. Okay, here we go. 27 minutes in, in case you're watching along with me. <coughs> Dolph goes for the sleeper. Edge counters. Dolph is selling. The referee's down. Edge seems to have woken up. Vicky's down ringside. I don't know what happened. If you want to watch, you can watch the full match. Edge seems a little concerned that Vicky's down. Oh, yeah, she banned the spear. So, obviously, that means he can use the spear. So, Edge is taking the position. Ziggler's getting up. My connection's kind of lagging for a nine-year-old event. Spear! 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 Edge spears Ziggler. The referee is moving now. Edge is down. Selling the move. Ziggler's down. Unmoving. This match has gone on for... Uh, I went backwards. I didn't mean to. This match has been on... like This is at the 26-minute mark. So, I mean, damn. I guess they got a 20-minute match at the Royal Rumble? Good for you, Dolph. The ref is slowly waking up. Edge is recovering from the spear. Lawler's yelling about how did, how did uh, the referee not see it. The referee was down, bro. Edge is back up. Ziggler's getting up. Edge. Execution. That's like, oh, he did he hit the um Christian move and finishes Dolph off. So Edge retained in case anybody was worried and doesn't remember what happened. So we jumped to the Miz versus Randy Orton. Orton was in a weird space right right now because 2011, like all his heel stuff happened in like 0809 and then 
2010-11, I really don't remember him doing much. I feel like in 11, maybe I'm thinking about 12 or 13 again, uh, probably. He was in uh, weird feuds and things like that um, that didn't matter. This is the run-up to WrestleMania 27. Of course, it's the first uh, first uh, time The Rock returned to WWE uh, since he left in like 2004. Of course, nobody knew that thing because I don't think that was announced until shortly after this Rumble that uh, The Rock would be there. And, of course, The Rock ended up being, like, the host of WrestleMania. And he got involved in the Miz-Cena match. Miz retained. And then, ultimately, Cena um, came out the next night on Monday Night Raw and said, I challenge you to WrestleMania next year. And all four of us, that being me, Moose, Thomas, and Anthony, all said, we're going to WrestleMania that next year. We started saving money, and we made it happen. Whoops. Man, I'm messing this up. I do want to just go back a little bit, though. I don't love the controls on... I don't love the controls on um, the WWE Network. They're, they're a little... I kind of like the old layout a little better. And also, I don't use it that much. So that probably has something to do with it. Miz just cut a promo. No video package? Was there a video package before the promo? I was trying to kind of find out a little backstory about why they're... Well, maybe maybe Randy was just the um, number one contender at that time. Next, we got Ty Grissom. He's reading a note from Dashing Cody Rhodes, better known as just Cody in All Elite Wrestling now. Oh, this is when uh, Mysterio broke his nose, supposedly, because he was doing Dashing Cody Rhodes gimmick. Mysterio broke his nose and then he became the mask Cody Rhodes. I didn't really start liking Cody probably until 13. If that's right, it was before Stardust. It was everything he was doing. Oh, it was when he, it was after he got fired by the Authority, and then him and and him and Gold Dust and then Dusty um, ended up helping. Uh, having a match to kind of keep their jobs or something like that. But I wasn't a big Cody fan then, but I am a Cody fan now. I know some people out there still don't think Cody's a star. And I don't mean all elite wrestling, just some uh, fans in general. But I'm a big fan of Cody. So they're talking to some fans. So basically, Tiger uh, Cody Rhodes will not be in the Royal Rumble because of his broken nose. So he's... He's doing a storyline. So we got a Divas match next, and it's Natalia versus Eve versus Michelle, McCool versus Layla. So I don't know who the WWE champion champion was at this time. Probably not Natalia. So Lay Cool was a thing. Layla and, and Michelle McCool was a thing. Um, shout out to Layla. I guess shout out to Michelle McCool too. She looks way different than she did back then, though. Obviously, I mean, when you don't have to look like a Barbie doll to be a wrestler, then you can kind of be your natural self. And then... <coughs> and when you're... Uh, become The Undertaker's wife, it gets even easier, I suppose. No shots. Um, oh, there is a next a next match um, button. That's pretty cool. Um... So is this for championship? Who? Okay, so if Lake Cool isn't the champion, Eve wouldn't be a champion. So I'm going to guess Natalia is the Divas champion at this point. Yes, she is. Natalia is the Divas champion. 
she hasn't I really like Natalia Total Divas helped me like Natalia a lot more um, when I was watching that or very early on when it first started um, but I, I do like Natalia man I, I feel like she should have gotten more runs and her last run unfortunately got cut short because if I recall correctly I think she was she had turned heel became the champion um, and then her feud just kind of fizzled out with everything or her feud her run just kind of fizzled out I'm not going to Wikipedia it. <clears throat> Flying by the seat of my pants here, ladies and gentlemen. But I will tell you the outcome of the match. So the Bella Twins interrupt Daniel Bryan's interview. And he has Gail Kim hanging all over him. This is when he was Daniel Bryan the Playboy. That's hilarious. So Gail Kim, who infamously has worked for WWE multiple times, but never had a very... Never really had much of a career in WWE. But then in places like... TNA and then she may have been in some other places but mostly TNA she's like a multiple time knockout champion I think they put her in the TNA Hall of Fame so it's funny to see Gail being one of Daniel's women because it was Gail for a while and then um, I don't know what happens to Daniel Bryan the rest of this year I'm not I, without looking here's the Bella Twins one of them happens to be Brie Bella who of course Daniel Bryan is married to now and then Nikki Bella so and this is, uh, I, I, I got to say it, this is pre-enhancement Nikki. So this is when they actually still pulled all twins pretty well. But now, I mean, obviously once the enhancement was done, you could tell Nikki and, and uh, Brie apart immediately. But now that I'm pretty familiar with their faces, eye roll, um, you can definitely tell who's Brie and who's Nikki. Um, so I guess they're about to attack Gail Camp. I don't care. I just want to see who won the um, Divas match real quick. So let me just rewind it back. Wait a minute. Eve won. I don't remember. Oh, man, I really wasn't paying attention. So, <clears throat> Eve with the moonsault. Michelle. Oh, okay. So, Eve pinned Layla after a moonsault, won the Divas Championship. Natalia got pinned by Michelle, but the referee was looking at Layla and and uh, Eve. So Eve became your WWE Divas Champion that night, in case anyone's interested. So let's get right to the shits. The 2011 40-man Royal Rumble match is smack dab in the middle of the whole event. Which is... Oh, God, this might be a bad idea. Is this an hour... And 15 plus minute match. Oh shit. Let's see what happens, man. Let's see what happens. That's what happens when there's 40 men, but I don't remember it being that damn long. Shit. They had no Intercontinental Championship match, no United States Championship match, no tag matches. So all we got was a Divas Championship match, a World Heavyweight Championship match, and a WWE Championship match. I didn't even see how, real quick, I didn't even see how Miz retained against um, Orton. I'd imagine it was in some skeevy way. So let me just double check that real quick for y'all. I know y'all dying to know, and y'all don't have the internet. So Orton hits RKO. CM Punk! Oh, that's right! CM Punk, leader of the new Nexus! Attacked Orton and set up his feud with Randy for WrestleMania, which he would lose. Because Orton hit an RKO. 
Miz was down. CM Punk came in and hit the GTS. And then um, Miz retained the WWE Championship. Oh, and heel, Cole is heel Cole. So he, he's in full heel mode, full team Miz, everything. That's crazy. I forgot all about that. Cole was clapping loudly. I didn't love Michael Cole's heel run. It was fun. It was fun, you know. That match between him and Lawler at 27 was bullshit. Apparently the whole Nexus ran down and tried to interfere in the match. I don't know what Randy's beef is with Nexus, though, other than CM Punk. So let's just do a quick rundown of who's in the new Nexus right now. So let's see if they show him again. I saw my, my dude David Otunga. Or Tonga, formerly known as Mrs. Jennifer, Mr. Jennifer, yeah, Mr. Jennifer Hudson, and the Miz is looking over like, "What the fuck just happened?" Show the shot of them go up the ramp. Uh, Bray Wyatt is there in his Nexus name. Um, your boy, Mr. Perfect Son. Um, there's that one dude who was also in Nexus. Who Mason? Was it Mason? Something? Maybe I'm thinking about TNA. But yeah. It's funny, Bray, Bray Wyatt's right there, and then uh, that one big dude with the muscles, the black hair is there. All right, I, I'm just going to have to give you all the roster. I feel bad now. I feel bad now. All right, new Nexus roster. So, jump to the new Nexus. Just show me the... Former members. Mason, I was right. Mason Ryan, Michael Gillicuddy, who of course went on to become Curtis Axel. Um, who else was in here? Husky Harris, who of course is now known as Bray Wyatt, aka The Fiend, one of the hottest things in wrestling right now. Uh, John Cena was briefly in it. David Ortonga. I didn't see Heath Slater, so that this might be when he broke off to be in the core as with Gabriel and Tarver. Skip Sheffield, of course, was known as, um, better known, better known as, uh, Ryback. So yeah, lots of fun history when it comes to the new Nexus. All right, so now that that's done, let me go back to the Stardust Rumble match. Damn, I don't know if I'm going to do this whole thing. This might have been a bad idea. I'm not going to, like, stop in the middle, though, so... Whose music is first? CM Punk was number one that year? Damn! Which is funny because three years ago, wasn't he number one? Or not three years ago, three years later, wasn't he number one in 2014, his, his last match? So here comes CM Punk, pre-Best in the World Punk. He, he was literally... This is January, so he was six months away from the best run of his WWE career. Which, of course, got torpedoed with Triple H and Creative and Kevin Nash. And got back some of the momentum when he finally won the WWE Championship back from uh, Alberto Del Rio. And then was WWE Champion for 434 days before losing it to The Rock, ironically enough, at the Royal Rumble in 2013. Alright, so Punk got Punk always had great shirts, even his new Nexus shirt. Like, obviously it's not the black shirt with the N, but I mean it's got the CM Punk logo holding the lightning bolt. 
with gold and on the back is his uh little icon they used to put on stuff of him crossing his arms because of course he's straight edge I wonder if he's had a drink since he left WWE oh there's the core guys so we got Wade we got Wade Barrett and Ezekiel Ezekiel Jackson oh man the whole core is out here all of a sudden there's Justin Gabriel see I was just talking about there's he says Slater I got kids and uh, for those of you who want to follow along, I'm not going to skip anything else. We are at the um, hour 27 and 50. Just started the hour 28 mark. Because we're waiting for the um, second person to come out here. Oh, wait a minute. So the whole core's in there. And here here comes the new Nexus. So I don't even know if any of the in the core was number two. So here comes the new Nexus fighting against the core. What a boring feud this was. It really should have just been Barrett versus Punk. Punk could have really elevated Barrett if they had really given them the time to really feud and just make it more about them versus the two groups feuding. I mean, the groups could have still feuded, but really everything was all about uh, CM Punk taking over as leader of the Nexus and then Barrett being pushed out. So the Raw GM just came on. Of course, it's a laptop. Michael Cole has run over to the podium and they were using what aim the aim sound whenever the raw general manager would would email sent a message and it ended up being hornswoggle which we didn't find out until what a year and a half later so you want to restore order All right, so CM Punk's the only person who has who's in the match right now. So the Raw GM, the laptop, is telling everybody to get out, get out of the ring, get your asses to the back, so we can continue this match. Anybody else, you're going to get disqualified from a Royal Rumble if y'all stay. So here, here goes everybody. There goes Curtis Axel, and Ortunga, and then uh. Husky Harris, Bray Wyatt. God, I can't believe Husky Harris is Bray Wyatt. That's wild. They're still trying to fight on the way back. Good for you, Husky. Shout out to JoJo. All right, so everybody's going back. This is the reason this shit's so long. So Punk now checks his teeth, makes sure everything's okay, and is waiting for the actual second entry to come to the ring so they can really kick off the Royal Rumble. Number two, Daniel Bryan. Funny thing, Daniel Bryan is now closer to his 2012 look with the shaved head and the beard now that uh, Bray Wyatt the Fiend took his hair or whatever the hell he did. And as you might have heard, Daniel Bryan was an original Nexus member. Of course, he got fired from WWE for choking... Um, someone on camera and WWE was really big in the PG era of anti-choking they fired him uh, the fans were outraged blah 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 and eventually they brought him back at SummerSlam the year before I think I was 2010 when all that happened so Punk and, and Daniel Bryan have locked up and the funny thing about Rumbles man they're, they're, the best part about the Rumble is when everybody's in the ring 
So when you get down, when you have the early people, you got like three people in or four people in, it's okay. But really, once you get about six, seven people in there, that's when the rumble becomes fun. Because then anywhere you look is just a lot. There's action everywhere. So it's just like nonstop. Even when I went to the 2014 Royal Rumble in Pittsburgh, um, the ring didn't get that full, but there was still a lot of action happening in different parts of the ring. And it was one of the more exciting things I've been to, like next to WrestleMania. And for the record, I've been to three WWE pay-per-views now. Mania, uh, the Royal Rumble, went to uh, Roadblock in 20... Was that 14 or 15 we went to Roadblock? Um, and then we went to uh, a taping of SmackDown Live last December, me, Gary, and Anthony. But Roadblock was uh, 2017, I think, actually. No, 16. It was 2016 when we went to Roadblock with uh, CJ. Me and Gary did. All right, so, by the way, the time in between people coming in is not accurate. It's kind of based on the momentum in the ring and what's going to happen. So Justin Gabriel is your first man and the third man in the ring. Goes right after CM Punk, of course, who broke up the Nexus and formed the new Nexus. Uh, just a... I, I thought it was like later, or like a little later in 2011 when all this happened, but this might have happened late 2010 when he took over leadership of the Nexus and all of that happened. So Gabriel's going right at Punk, completely ignoring um, Daniel Bryan. And Bryan and Punk were just kind of, they weren't doing too much, man. They were just kind of going through the paces, waiting for the next thing. Double clothesline, Bryan got back involved. Punk's down, Bryan's down. Justin Gabriel. He's going to go for his move. Is it the 450 splash Justin Gabriel used to do? He's going to go for it. That's dangerous on the Royal Rumble. Here we go. And he missed it, of course. Punk rolled away. It was the 450 splash. Look at me. Daniel Bryan up and down by Justin Gabriel. First elimination goes to Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan is pumped. Because right, he's not heel Bryan yet. There's no yes movement. There's no, no chance. All of that came throughout 2011 and then ultimately um, by the time Wrestlemania 28 came around it was at a fever pitch and then it kind of escalated from there even more so next entry is coming in who could it be good camera work Zack Ryder Zack Ryder man I always gotta dig Zack because he made himself hot with the e, with the Z true Hollywood Stories or whatever you call it today did on YouTube. That show was a lot of fun. Um, this is like the peak of his career, honestly, because from here, was it here? He get, he got even bigger, honestly, because I think he was doing the TV, the YouTube stuff, but it was really by 2012, uh, prior to WrestleMania, that he was probably at peak popularity, and it's like, take care, spike your hair, and all that came a thing. Um, there's no internet wrestling championship belt on him so this might even be pre I, I don't know if it's pre before those ideas but then Zach goes out <laughs> Zach's a, Zach keeps getting them checks though man so Brian eliminated him so Daniel Bryan's already got two eliminations I'd like to see Daniel Bryan win, win the Royal Rumble this year everybody's already saying it's going to be Roman somehow Brock has entered himself in the Royal Rumble as the as a universal as a universal champion 
and everybody's supposed to be competing for a shot to either go after the Universal Championship or to go after the WWE Championship. And with Brock in there, if Brock wins, does are we going to unify the belts again? How does that work with SmackDown being on Fox and William Regal and all his flabby glory? Now, if I remember correctly, Regal wasn't active at this time because it was like 08 or 09. He had a really good run where he was ultimately poised to maybe take the WWE Championship at some point. And he had a, a wellness vi- a violation. And he lost a lot of time for it. And he never got that momentum back. And then ultimately he took a, took a uh, behind-the-scenes role, which is now on screen as the NXT general manager. So... I always like Regal though, even when he's Steven Regal and WCW. Um, missed the whole I'm William Regal, or was that, I can't remember if that was WCW or WWE, but when he was like the lumberjack, missed that. But Lord Steven Regal, I dug, and then William Regal. He he was a brawler, man. He he, he worked a pretty strong style. Him and Daniel Bryan are going back trading um trading blows right now. He took out Punk. Punk's laid down. I'm getting that rest in. And him and Brian are, are just going at it. I mean, it's not much to see. There's nothing fancy going on. He's he's at oh Punk with a with a kick, and Daniel Bryan returns the favor by kicking Punk in the head, and we get a yes kick, which wasn't called a yes kick then. It was only one kick as well. So it's funny seeing Daniel Bryan this early in development. So Daniel Bryan is the one that's uh, really taking charge. So he's going to try to dump Regal out. Regal's going to do that first thing where, I'm not going to let you dump me. I won't let you pick up my leg. I'm too strong for you. Blah, blah, blah. And here comes our next entrant. Who is this? Oh, Ted DiBiase. Is that DiBiase with Maurice? Was that a thing? DiBiase, formerly a member of Legacy with uh, Cody Rhodes and Randy Orton a few years ago, trying to make as a solo star. It did not work out. He eventually got released, and I think he might still wrestle, but I also think he found God. So now he's... I don't know what he's doing now, but I thought DiBiase had potential, and I thought Rhodes had potential. But one thing you'll learn about me as far as being a wrestling fan, I see the good in almost every wrestler. Because I feel like if I was writing this shit, I could come up with some shit for damn near everybody where shit would be interesting. And I could do your your main event storylines, your mid-card storylines, your just to fill Tom storylines. Everybody would have something to do. And I, I felt like DiBiase and uh, especially Rhodes, obviously, and Rhodes felt the same way after he wasn't allowed to stop doing the Stardust, Stardust gimmick and he bet on himself and Ended up being my uh, 2017. Um, do, I, do I call it Wrestler of the Year? What, what do I say? Uh, I think I do call it the Wrestler of the Year Awards. But here comes the next entry. DiBiase wasn't in here very long. John Morrison. Boy. Let me tell you. Morrison and Miz had a WWE Championship match on Raw in 2010, I think. And that shit smacks. It is so good. Even with being on TV. Miz and Morrison are both wonderful. And I'm so glad that Morrison's back in WWE. I know he just popped up on SmackDown again. 
I'm excited to see him. I followed him as Hennigan a little bit, especially in uh, Lucha Underground, a little bit of TNA. I, I'm still a big fan of this dude, man. Like, I didn't like him when he was um in the tag team. He was Johnny Nitro or Johnny, one of those dudes. I didn't like that too much, but when he went solo and became John Morrison, I became a fan, man. He, he's a great wrestler. Starship Pain isn't my favorite finisher. Oh, oh, we we got it. We got a rumble. We got a spot. So Regal knocked off Morrison. DiBiase eliminated Regal after Regal pushed Morrison off. Morrison grabbed the barricade. I think this is pre-Kofi. I can't remember when Kofi started doing these. But Morrison grabbed the wall, the barricade, climbed up on it, and jumped back to the ring steps. So that, that was pretty cool. So DiBiase and Morrison's facing off. Punk is still in there. Daniel Bryan's still in there. Bryan and Punk just came in and attacked Morrison, even though Morrison was trying to get the upper hand on DiBiase. Now Bryan has grabbed Punk away from the match. That was pretty cool. I hated Morrison's boots, the fur boots, but I, I, I hate them less now that I've grown as a person than I did now. So... Considering how long this thing is, guys, and we're already 33 minutes in, I'm not probably going to do all of the Rumble. Um, I'll probably do the first 20 or so, depending on how quickly this goes, to get to 20. And then I'll, I'll come back and do the other 20 another time. Oh, who, Yoshitatsu coming in. Never cared for him. Of course, WWE doesn't know what to do with him. He got a little pop. So he goes right after DiBiase. Uh, Punk is resting. He's coming in and he kicks Tatsu in the back. Um, Morrison is resting in the corner. Brian is resting. Punk is taking a role of aggressor with his uh, blind. That's when he. It, that's before he went. Of course, when the best in the world thing happened, he had. Uh, he had went back to his natural hair color, which is uh, blackish brown, and he had like the weird slick back hair that once he started wrestling, it would kind of go everywhere. Before he ultimately um, trimmed it down. Uh, especially once the heel run hit, like prior to the heel run in 2012 when he buzzed it all off. So he has this blonde tip kind of clean look. Of course, it wasn't that long ago in this era where Punk lost his hair and got his head completely shaved the first time. And of course, that led to this. That was after the Straight Edge Society when all that happened. And he had the beautiful flowing hair. Best his hair ever looked. Can you tell him a CM Punk guy? Maybe you can. All right, so they're trying to push Brian out. He's hanging onto the rope. Punk's resting. Morrison's pushing. And then uh, Tatsu's trying to push DiBiase out. We have another entry coming in. Number six, five, four, three, two, one. And we have a Nexus member. And here comes Bray Wyatt. Husky Harris, number nine. So he hops in, goes right at Morrison. It's funny. I, I don't remember a whole lot of Husky Harris prior to Bray Wyatt showing up when he did. And even this, like he's cleared the ring. He's he's watching Punk's back. And I wonder if it's the spot where, if it's the rumble where everybody kind of clears everyone out and the Nexus is kind of rolling things for a while. So Morrison and Daniel Bryan attack Husky Harris. Bray looks strong, though, man. I mean, he's taking a little bit of a beating now, but he came in and he he looked the part of being the aggressive muscle. 
He, lo he looks real good. Like, those hits and kicks look real solid. So, DiBiase is getting kicked in the back right now by Brian and, and Yoshi. Taking turn trading kicks. Um, Husky is stomping on Morrison's face right now. Brian comes... Daniel Bryan is flattened by Punk, as you might have heard Michael Cole just say. Punk is selling a little bit of a rib injury. And now we're counting down already again. So there's no way that these intervals are the same in between wrestlers, just in case y'all thought it was. Chavo Guerrero. To no pop at all. Chavo's an interesting story, man. I like Chavo and Pepe. I always thought that was fun. Obviously, Eddie was the far superior and way more over wrestler. Heel Chavo's my favorite, though. And there's some Chavo stuff out there that I really genuinely enjoy. Um, but most of it has come in other feds and not WWE. So, oh, hitting the three amigos on DiBiase. Tribute to Eddie. Punk breaks it up, of course, which makes no sense. Uh, the site I follow for wrestling stuff, Cageside Seats, they did a few years ago a breakdown of all the rumbles and a section they would do in each rumble where they were literally doing write-ups was stupid moves by wrestlers in the match and they constantly pointed out where wrestlers would be trying to put another person out and then another wrestler would come out and attack the wrestler who was being the aggressor in the situation and stopping someone from going out obviously it's all storytelling it's all scripted but still you would think they would think huh maybe not have maybe not go after the dude who's doing the attacking i know it makes for a better match and stuff and they kind of have to but sometimes when you see somebody dangling off the ropes maybe sometimes have them help and they'll do that every now and then but there's a lot of times that a wrestler have the upper hand on someone else and then here comes here comes DiBiase and he's going to smack the aggressor in the head and mess up something that could have led to someone being eliminated. So here comes Mark Henry. <coughs> and Mark Henry was coming was actually he's getting ready to go into the best year of his WWE career, career when he starts the Hall of Pain and turns heel for real. But right now he he is just that big dude with a lot of muscle. In WWE. So, shout out to Mark Henry. Hall of Fame career. I think a two-time World Heavyweight Champion. So, he immediately eliminates DiBiase. Or what, that, was, oh, that was Chavo. Eliminates Chavo. Punk attacks him. Fails. Now, Yoshi is attacking Mark Henry. And they're doing a lot of camera work on how strong Mark Henry is. And how nothing's phasing him. So a headbutt to Yoshi. Mark Henry picks him up. And DiBiase punches Mark Henry in the side. Mark Henry shrugs him off and then clotheslines Yoshi out of the Royal Rumble. Night-night, Yoshi. And here's CM Punk with a swift kick to the head. So, so Punk immediately grounds the big man and is taken to him with kicks. Brian and DiBiase's fighting over another corner. Husky Harris is still in there and starts hitting some haymakers on, on um, your man... Mark Henry, and here comes your next entry already. If my calculations are correct, is this number 10 now or is this 11? JTG. Oh, man, number 12 of Crime Time. And I don't even know if Crime Time was a thing at this point still. They might have been 
Shad Gaspar and JTG may have been broken up at this point. But JTG, of course, is like a wrestling meme because he hell was getting them checks forever and not doing anything for it. So he wasn't on TV. He wasn't on Superstars or whatever the show was called back then. He wasn't on any of the, the, lower, mid card, the lower mid card shows. I guess he was doing house shows. But he literally went years while still being on the roster and getting paid for it um, until ultimately uh, he was released. So he merely comes in. Mark Henry's being aggressor there. Um, still wearing his Thames, I see. DiBiase's on the top rope. Morrison's trying to get him sent off, but it's one of those spots where he's obviously not going to get off or go out, so he's sitting on the turnbuckle. And DiBiase for sure punches Morrison back in the face. So DiBiase being in here so long, I'm really impressed by that so far because you can kind of tell in certain years like who Vince was behind and who Creative was behind. And apparently they were really trying to see what they could do with DiBiase because they're giving them a pretty lengthy run in the Rumble so far. Number 13, another Nexus member. And here comes Michael McGillicuddy, better known as Curtis Axel. Uh, I like Axel's character, especially now with the B-Team gimmick with uh, Bo Dallas. Uh, I enjoyed their little tag team run that they had. Uh, they're still a tag team, but their, their tag team championship run they had last year. But, I mean, it's hard being Mr. Perfect's son. And JTG is eliminated via Michael McGillicuddy. So there's three Nexus members in the ring. And McGillicuddy goes after Morrison. DiBiase starts hitting um, Husky Harris. Husky Harris hits back. And there's a lot of rest spots going on. Henry's in a rest spot. Um, Morrison's in a rest spot. DiBiase's getting ganged up on by Nexus. And now Morrison and Brian are trying to team up. Brian goes to jump on Bray Wyatt's back and knocks him over. Looks like a little bit of a botch. McGillicuddy into the ropes for Morrison. Morrison countered. McGillicuddy hits him in the face and Morrison's down again. Now Daniel Bryan, after just cooperating briefly with Morrison, is now attacking Morrison again. And nothing's really happening. Like Punk is like clawing at Mark Henry's face. Diossi was just eliminated by the Nexus. So there's three Nexus members in there. The Nexus are all in the corner, huddled up. And now we have Chris Masters, Master of the Master Lock. Is he in the ring? I didn't see him. Oh, he's in the black trunks. Normally he has red trunks. So he's taking it to the Nexus, showing off that physique, power move. Punk comes in, immediately gets locked in the Master Lock. <clears throat> of course, this is the Royal Rumble, and submission moves don't work, so... Masters has him on the ropes trying to push Punk out. Punk is struggling. Takes a haymaker to the face. That looked a little stiff. And then McGillicuddy breaks it up. Axel with the save. Taking it to Masters who immediately is in the corner and getting stepped on while Punk is in a rest spot recovering on the apron. Daniel Bryan notices that. And then comes over and hits McGillicuddy in the chest who was just stomping on Chris Masters. Punk hits Brian in the head, hits Masters, goes back and hits Brian again. McGillicuddy in a rest spot. Harris getting taken to by Morrison. Punk goes and kicks Morrison. 
Mark Henry was just in a rest spot. Now McGillicuddy just took a... Not McGillicuddy. Harris just took a hit butt from Mark Henry. And we're rolling on into our next entry. This would be number 14. Let's see if I got my number straight now. David Ortunga, and it's number 15. My bad. <sighs> so we normally would be halfway through the Rumble right now, but we are, um, we're almost halfway through because this is the 40-man Royal Rumble. That's what you're watching or you're listening to in case you're just tuning in. I am literally talking about the 2011 Royal Rumble as it happened, sharing some wrestling thoughts for my wrestling listeners out there. The Nexus now has four men in the ring. Someone just got eliminated. I didn't see who it is. It was Chris Masters. No, Chris Masters just went out. So it wasn't Brian, was it? I think it was. They got Daniel Bryan, and then they got Chris Masters. Morrison, they are dumping on. Morrison's barely hanging on. Four Nexus members attacking Morrison at once. He's hanging on to the ropes. Mark Henry's in the rest spot, and down goes Morrison. Took four Nexus members to get John Morrison out. So now it's four Nexus members versus Mark Henry, who's been resting and has been battered, but really hasn't taken too much, too much heat. They used Husky Harris as a human battering ram. Mark Henry goes down, he's staggering, goes to the ropes, and now all four members of the new Nexus are lifting the world's strongest man up and out of the ring, and Mark Henry's eliminated. So yes, I was correct. This is the year where the Nexus came in and just dominated for a brief moment. Tyler Rex. I don't remember this dude at all. So the Nexus is ganging up on Tyler Rex, <clears throat> who's a pretty big dude. But with Ortunga and Husky and McGillicuddy and Punk in there, it's kind of a wrap. The numbers game with the new Nexus. That is right. So, yeah, Tyler Rex is literally getting wrecked right now. <clears throat> Punk uh, pulls him away, hits him with the kick. Down goes to his knees. Rex and CM Punk delivers Rex to the floor. Wow. This, even now, is it's really cool to see a faction coming together around one wrestler to really dominate the Rumble like this. Because factions don't exist anymore. Like, the New Day can't do this because... There's three of them. Like, there, there's no real... I, I wish WWE would go back to factions, man. I miss factions. So Punk is doing the clobber and Tom thing. Waiting on our next opponent. Three, two, one, and... Oh, my God. Vladimir Kozlov. <sighs> one half of the tag team champions. Was he tag team champions with Santino, man? Oh. God. Kozlovsk can jump by the Nexus. And now Punk is holding down Kozlov's arms. Here's Bray Wyatt with a splash to Kozlov. Oh, Punk was holding down Kozlov's legs, by the way. I'd be a great wrestling announcer. 
And Punk just said bye-bye. And CM Punk, all by him lonesome. Well, not really lonesome, but all by himself. Throws out Vladimir Kozlov. Another elimination by the Nexus. The new Nexus. I don't want to call him the wrong Nexus. Holding up the fist. Ortunga, Punk, McGillicuddy, and Husky Harris, better known as your Universal Champion Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend, waiting on entry number 18. Punk has the infamous cross legs in the ring, soaking it in, looking like a superstar. Can you tell him to see him, Punk guy? Blonde tips and all. Probably hadn't even met AJ Lee yet. Might still be messing with Lita. R-Truth with the pop, too. R-Truth, of course, was a few months away from getting, from turning heel and getting a WWE championship shot at, um, oh, uh, what was, Capital Punishment against John Cena, which happened the month before CM Punk dropped the bite bomb. So that happened in June of 2011 when R-Truth turned heel. And I don't know if Little Jimmy came before or after. I think he was just a bad guy. Um, but yeah, Truth, little known to him at this time maybe, is about to get a great heel run that leads to a WWE Championship match with John Cena. Of course, the Nexus is jumping him. Punk just nailed him with the running knee in the corner. The trademark hits him with the bulldog. Punk looking like a star after he hit the knee. Looked at the camera, pumped the air and said, What's up? I love you, CM Punk. Don't ever change. And now CM Punk. Oh, also he's doing this because he's racking up eliminations. So now Punk, ready, aim, fire. There goes our truth. Thanks for playing truth. See you next time. So 18 men down. Excuse me, 14 men down. Four Nexus members remaining. CM Punk came in at number one. Five, four, three. Two, one. Here we go. Great Kali. One thing I hate about these giant Royal Rumbles, man, and one thing I hate about the Royal Rumble in general, <coughs> with... Every with the way having to have 40 men in or 50 men in, you gotta waste some spots. I get that. Great Kali, his time was kind of done with WWE. He had already been the WWE champion, and that was like 08, 09 when he was in the championship pitcher. I think he had a match with Triple H and stuff, maybe even 10. So he comes in, and he's dismantling the Nexus, looks slow as hell, can't bend his knees. There goes Bray Wyatt. So the first Nexus member is eliminated. Punk goes after Kali. He got Punk by the head. Punk scoots away, begging for mercy. Great Punk heel, healing it up. The heel begging for mercy from the obvious face. Kali takes the stomping on CM Punk. Grabs Punk by the head. 10, 8, 7, 6. Hits Punk with a big punch. Does not eliminate him. Three Nexus members remaining. Two... One, your next entry to the 2011 Royal Rumble is another Nexus member, Mason Ryan. And I thought something could have been done with him too, but eh, it is what it is. So him and Kali are squaring up. Kali's getting the upper hand. 
But yeah, it sucks when you, they got waste spots. And when they have a regular rumble, which has 30 spots, they give like five to seven spots away to some that someone's not going to win the match. Wow, Mason Ryan just eliminated Great Kali. So now there's four Nexus members again. Was he number 20? Ah, oh. <laughs> like last year, Nia's spot was not wasted. But there was a couple places where they were like, oh, remember this person who's going to be in the Royal Rumble and get a pop and then get eliminated? Like, Punk is selling Great Kali's punch. Mason Ryan's literally helping him stand. The Nexus is kind of decimated now. Or Tonga's up. Uh, McGillicuddy's recovering. Punk has dropped his knees and is begging for the next person to come through and get you some. I don't know what he just yelled. He didn't say clobbering Tom. Punk is healing it up, though. Boo's raining in. Make, making the best out of what he's given to work with. One thing about Punk, man. It ultimately led to his departure, but he made the best out of what he was given, man. He was never, never dull, especially in WWE. And Booker T is your surprise entry into the 2011 Royal Rumble. And Booker hadn't been in WWE for a minute. He was in TNA. So for him to be back in WWE, and I think this led to a brief little run for Booker. I don't remember how long he wrestled for, but he came back and he, he was around. He wasn't on TV every week, but immediately the Nexus started attacking him. And Booker was such a big comeback to the Rumble that uh, he's actually one of the places you can jump to in the Rumble where Booker T comes out. So I'm going to probably stop here real soon. I just want to see if how if Booker's able to make it to the next guy. So hits gets Booker, or Booker gets Ortunga. He got uh, Mason Ryan. McGillicuddy with the cheap shot. Booker's against the ropes. Mason Ryan is... Or Ortunga's near the ropes. Booker looking like a star. Rock bottom. Sorry, I don't remember his moves. The crowd is popping. Booker has literally put down all four members of the Shield. And you know what it's time for. He's calling for it. He's calling for it. He's going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, in 2011, we get a Spinner Rooney for the first time on WWE TV in a long time. And here's Punk. Tries to take advantage. And Booker turns around on Punk. Mason Ryan breaks it up, and Punk barely hangs on. And then Mason Ryan dumps Booker T. And Booker, with a memeable face there, and his shock and dismay. <laughs> so Booker was hello and goodbye. And Punk is thrilled with the result as he's smiling with his head on the bottom rope. After nearly getting eliminated by Booker T, Mason Ryan is picking up his leader. CM Punk is saying we're going to WrestleMania. It's looking good. That's 21 men and four men remaining. And all four men remaining are Nexus members. CM Punk. Your luck just changed, though, buddy. Because I don't know if you can hear, but let me turn it up for you. Number 22. So I have to remember this. I have to remember this is where we stopped. Right when John Cena enters the Royal Rumble. And, of course, the whole outlook for the Nexus. The whole outlook for the Nexus changes from there. So... 
We didn't do the whole rumble, but I promise I will come back and finish that for you. Preferably before uh, the 2020 Royal Rumble. Hey, hey, yeah, you. You like comic books, anime, and stuff? Sure you do. Who the hell doesn't? And that's why you should listen to a podcast called Fresh. It's like audio cliff notes of ancient texts painstakingly translated by us for you. So do yourself a favor. Like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Trust me, we're everywhere. So don't forget, it's a podcast called Fresh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, and anywhere podcasts are casted. What kind of forever? Hyphen Nation is brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group. Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people. HyphenPodcastGroup.com and also by Mark Robb, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. Marcus writes prolific paragraphs of pontifications, pontifications about all kinds of cool topics. Uh, you can find that at themarkrob.wordpress.com. That's the M-A-R-C-R-O-B.wordpress.com. You can find Hyphenation wherever podcasts are podcasted. Um, your favorite podcast listening platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. If you go to your Google Home or to your uh, Echo Dot or your Echo and say, Alexa, play this latest episode of Hyphenation. Uh, not like that. You say, Alexa, play the latest episode of Hyphenation. And she can actually hear me out there, which is kind of creepy. Um... It's playing music. Alexa! Alexa! Stop! Alexa! Stop! See, that's messed up. She listens when she wants to. Alexa! Stop! Sheesh! So yeah, if you say, Alexa, play the latest episode of Hyphenation, she'll do it. Or plays the random music you didn't want. She'll do that too, apparently. And you can do the same for Google Home. Hey, Google, play the latest episode of Hyphenation. Um, so go to your favorite podcast listening platform and, and listen away. I'll use Radio Public personally. Um, review, rate, subscribe, all those things. If you leave reviews, I will read them, good or bad. And if you go to Apple Podcasts, Actually, go to Apple Podcasts and hit that five-star rating for me. Greatly appreciate that. Um, and then make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend and talk about hyphenation at the water cooler. Like, maybe you'll go into work tomorrow and be like, man, uh, that story Kellen was telling that he had an idea for, it sounds really good, but he shouldn't be the one to write it. Or maybe be like, I hated that shit. I hope he never does that again. Tell me that <laughs> so I don't do it. Or maybe you're like, I can't believe I sat there and listened to him talk about the Royal Rumble for 50 plus minutes. Like, I can't believe he did that. Well, it happened. And it's going to happen again. <laughs> I don't feel bad for that. But it's important to spread the word about hyphenation. Let everyone know about the Barack Obama approved Rolls Grants podcast. Please and thank you. Now, from there... The power of positivity is real. Get that negativity out of your life. No matter what it may be, no matter what you have to do, you got to do you.
That's right. Um, try to have genuine good interactions with people. You never know what the next woman or man is going through. And your con actions could save their life or someone else's life. You just never know. So try to always have good interactions with people. Words of wisdom for today. Listen to your body. Because I'll be honest with you guys. The first half of this episode was recorded before work. And I immediately got into work and I felt horrible. And because of that, I actually listened to my body and came home. And I've been here resting and obviously, like, oh, like, you're using all the energy for podcasts. Like, look, at work, it hit me. Like, it felt like one of those things when you're sick and your body starts, like, not shut down, but it's just like, uh, it hurts to move and you're lightheaded. And uh, I've had, like, this cough and stuff that I've been dealing with. And then my stomach was upset. And I felt like I was really close to uh, Ralphing at work. You know, I held it together. But... You know, I, I held in there as long as I could. I thought that maybe even by the time I left work, I could have finished out the day. But I just came home and rested, man. And I, I've been uh, relaxing, and then I decided to finish the podcast for you guys. Uh, so I listened to my body, came home, took it, take it easy. Uh, once I finish this, going to edit it for you, not do anything crazy. Try to put some food in my stomach for the first time today, and then uh, get a good night's sleep, and then be back at it tomorrow morning when I got open at work. So I listen to my body. I advise you to do the same. Listen to your body. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my words of wisdom for today. Is there anything I'm missing? I feel like I'm missing something. I said how you can find a podcast that you should tell everybody. Oh, yeah. If you want to contact the show or me, you can do so at b hyphen at gmail.com. Or you can go to Twitter at b hyphen, Instagram, the b hyphen, or now on Facebook, it's still hyphen universe if you search that. But if you type in facebook.com slash b hyphen, it takes you right to my page, to the hyphen universe page. Um, I'm trying to do some changes to it. So it may not be named hyphen universe at all uh, very much longer, but Facebook is kind of hating. So I got to figure all that out. But yeah, that's exciting. Facebook.com slash be hyphen. Easy peasy. Because I was like, I had made my username years ago for my Facebook profile page, Facebook.com be hyphen. And then any other time I had a fan page, this is like my fourth or fifth fan page. There's been be hyphen and different things over the years. And then ultimately I was like, I can never do Facebook.com slash be hyphen. Let me change my URL on my Facebook page. So I was able to do that. And then be hyphen became available. So facebook.com slash be hyphen will take you to the hyphen universe Facebook page. If you don't want to go through those routes, you can always use hyphen podcast group at Gmail, at hyphen pod group on Twitter, hyphen podcast group on Instagram, or hyphen podcast group on Facebook. Just like that. All right, man. Apologies to Markel Fultz, man. I know LeBron posted you on his IG story or on his... Is uh this is Instagram the other day talking about go ahead with your bad self Markel and all this stuff and I saw some highlights of you scoring some twenty points in a black and orange Orlando Magic uniform like what 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 the fuck are y'all thinking first of all the Heat for years especially in their early existence were black orange and red and then they redid their uniforms 
um, in the early 2000s and became primarily black, white, and red. And then the magic have always been black and white and blue. But these these alternative uniforms get out of control, man, because Markel, I saw you in a black and orange Orlando, Orlando, Orlando music uniform, Orlando magic uniform the other night, bro. People, people who's running the magic, what are y'all thinking? No, that's that's your cross town, cross state rival. Are they cross state or are they lower state? That's your in-state rival. You don't wear their colors. I don't care if we're all in the same gang in the NBA. Fuck that. Sheesh. But Markel, I'm really sorry, man. We're, I'm out of time. The Royal Rumble went way too long, and I still got to finish it. But stick around, man. We're, we're going to have to get you another taping. And I appreciate each and every one of y'all who listen to the pod. Um, I want to send a special shout out to some of Angel's former students um, who are now in high school and going to Harvard and stuff and, and making college plans and things like that. Apparently, they were at the house the other day for History Bowl practice on Sunday, and they were listening to uh, the episode before this one. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. I appreciate a little play bump that y'all gave me, and hopefully you keep listening. And if you do hear this, Make sure to tell your friends about the Barack Obama Proof World's Greatest Podcast. Okay? That's all you got to do. I almost said it. I almost said it, but I didn't say it, Eric. All right, guys. Appreciate each and every one of y'all to listen and plus, plus, and press play on this podcast. Love doing it for y'all. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Hopefully, you don't mind that I literally just talked about the Royal Rumble the 2011 Royal Rumble for this long and then did that little story intro. Uh, I mean, they can't all be winners. I mean, y'all might love this episode. This this probably like two plays. That's all right. I'm all right with it. I'm okay. So, I say that to say this. Thanks, y'all. Comment. This has been a Hyphen Podcast Network production. They're the bestest. I'm getting paid an exposure.